Let's give God a big up for our praise team and our band, y'all. They are ridiculous. Sometimes I wonder, are we on a nighttime talk show or something, the way the band is? We like we got a house band or something. So it's a, it's a blessing to see the Lord's grace and such great gifts and them being given unto the glory and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are experiencing quite a trying time as a church, and we want to make sure that you are seen more than the trying time is. Um, we want to see you and you alone. We want to fight to see you. We want to do what is necessary within our souls to draw near to you. Even in some ways, for many of us, you feel far away right now. Um, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of disappointment. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that through the thicket of the fog, the frustration, um, all of those things, Lord God, that we don't lose sight of you. And so, Lord God, as I pray Every time I grab this mic, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord God, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Um, today we are not going to have a Mother's Day message, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't think that it was suitable for today. Um, in light of the week that we've had, I don't know if that would have been the best type of sermon for us. Um, I feel strongly led into um, a mini-series of sorts um, to kind of zoom us, if you will, on the Lord Jesus, um, yet in a unique way that has to do with us. Throughout the Bible, you will see things that God allows to happen to his people and among his community that are extremely tragic. You'll see in Exodus 14, 31, don't, you don't have to turn there, you will see that a tragedy and a challenge happened to the people of God, and it said, and all the people feared the Lord that day. In 1 Samuel 12:18 David was carrying on a new cart the ark of the covenant its parallel passages 1st chronicles 13 and they were carrying it um, from a dude's house back um, to the main spot in Jerusalem and because it wasn't being properly carried the cart was sliding off and Uzzah who thought he was doing God a favor reached out and didn't get to touch it, and God struck him dead at that moment. And the Bible talks about David's attitude towards God <coughs> after God struck Uzzah. And the Bible says that, and David feared the Lord that day. In 2 Samuel 6, 9, another event where people are forced into a place to fear the Lord again. In Acts chapter 5, 5, Ananias and Sapphira lied to God. And because of their lie, God put them to sleep. He brought them home, my mama used to say. And it said, and a great fear 
went over the entire church of the Lord. I don't know about you, and I don't know if you recognize it, but we're in a great opportunity right now. I know it doesn't feel like it, and I, 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 I know that many of us are still hurting, but we're in a great opportunity because in times like these, God is calling us to fear him. Fear meaning to stand in awe of the reality of him, the fact that he exists and that no one should be put above him, no one should be even on the same stat scale as him because the way he stacks, no one stacks like this king. And so in light of that reality, our fear must be in the Lord and the Lord alone. And it wants, and, and in fearing the Lord, God is wanting us to zoom in on him, but in zooming in on him, he wants us to zoom in on us. Not so that he can focus us on us for our own glory, but what it does is show you and I what we're capable of. And being willing to not point fingers at other people and be angry with them and frustrated with them or even frustrated with God for the situation. But the question is, when all fear, we're supposed to be introspective. Say introspective. Yeah, yeah. We, we have to begin based on a God providing us with a gracious opportunity to look at ourselves. And so we're going to go through the book of Jonah. A very interesting book <coughs> that most people only focus on is the only thing they remember from Jonah is the whale. <laughs> but after we get to finish this series, you're going to see that the book of Jonah is much more massive than that whale. Once talk about introspection, a look inside the life of the unreached, me. This is not about the catastrophe that happened last week that we talked about. I don't want us to zoom in on that. And so I believe Jonah is a book that's beautiful at doing that. Because God, we're going to see, was sending Jonah to reach the Ninevites. However, it wasn't really the Ninevites that God merely wanted to reach. He wanted to reach Jonah. Now you'd be like, why in the world would he want to reach one of his prophets? His prophet is supposed to know him. His prophet is supposed to have a relationship with him. But Jonah is going to be representative of the people of God in general. And so he's calling us and zooming us in an ironic way to look at ourselves. Let me give some background. First, let me explain introspection. Introspection is observation or examination of one's own mental or emotional state. <coughs> mental processes, the act of looking within one's self. Self-examination and soul searching. Jonah being an interesting book, your boy Jonah was only mentioned once in 2 Samuel 14, 26, in a time of encouragement, which we'll talk about that, even though it was a time of great judgment. Background of Jonah, it was written around or happened around 8th century B.C. during the reign of Jeroboam II, King Jeroboam II. During this time, Israel had become extremely nationalistic because God had graced them with a time of prosperity with a wicked king over them, though. And so the people of God began to mistaken that prosperity um, for making themselves think that they're better than everyone else. 
They became comfortable with the moderate prosperity under this wicked king. And prior to the prosperity, they had fell into a great bitterness with God and his people and the experiences that they were going through in their life as God's people. They had an improper response to the prosperity. They became smug. They became chill. They became self-satisfied in their attitude that led to cultural elitism, disobedience, and missing the blessings of God. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I think parallels to us is I, I think we have to be careful here at Epiphany Fellowship of cultural elitism. Elitism about us getting the word of God. Elitism about Christ-centered worship. Elitism about where we're located. Elitism about getting a building before we're two years old. Elitism about the fact that we think that God has made us better than every other church in the world when he loves all of his churches equally. And so what can happen to us is we can grow stagnant because of this elitism and begin to put our noses up above everyone around us. And when we interact with the universal church, become snobbish in our attitudes towards others because they ain't saying the theological jargon like we say it. Lack patience, lack love, lack connectivity, lack shepherding, lack pouring, lack time. And so God, I believe, is speaking to us for us to take a look at ourselves, not to condemn us, not to stop us from getting in our Bible, not stop us from having Christ-centered worship, not stop us from pursuing him, but I think to help us to have a healthy outlook on where we are and where he wants us to go. And so this, this, this Israel had so become elite that they began to become an ingrown toenail and focus on their own culture and their own passions and their own desires. And the mission that God had had them to be a city on a hill and a light began to dim because they loved the blessings, but stopped loving the blesser and stopped utilizing the blessings that came to them to go out to others. So it impacted their view of God themselves, and the world. This is going to be an interesting book. It's funny. Jonah, people say there's no, no comedy in the Bible. I, I deeply disagree with that. I think the Bible has a bunch of comedic things in it, and Jonah is one of those books. Now, what's interesting is technically, according to literary formats of books, Jonah really isn't a prophetic book. It's really three types of genres all together. It's really a narrative slash parable, slash psalm. <laughs> and you'll see when we get to chapter 2 and the rest of the book. But what's funny about it is it's called a prophetic book, but there are very few prophecies in it. Hardly any. And it seems to focus on the life of the prophet versus the prophecy that he's supposed to proclaim. And so it's a very ironic book and could actually be kind of like a biblical sitcom, if you will. Or a special, you know, we used to, back in the 80s, we used to have, in the late 70s, we used to have the Thursday night movies. Y'all don't know nothing about that. The Thursday night movies and the Sunday night movies. Some of y'all remember that, where, you know, when you couldn't afford to go to the movies, you know, because um, back then it was 650, you know. And, I mean, you know, that, that was back then. And we just waited for the, the, the special to come on so we can get a mo our movie on, you know what I'm saying? 
And, and, so, and so here, um, we see a divine comedy. This book is funny, but it's supposed to laugh us into a good com- You know a good comedian when a good comedian can make you laugh and make you look at yourself at the same time. And Yahweh acts as this crazy comedian in this book. And God is like the stand-up comic telling us this story of this dude, Jonah. And it is amazing what happens. And so we're going to dive into this series and we're going to talk about introspection, and we're going to laugh and look at ourselves and cry. So I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. We're just going to deal with verses 1 through 6. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to be fast. I'm going to try not to preach an hour all the time. I'm going to try to do 30 minutes or something, all right? So be quiet. Don't say nothing to me, and don't even look at me about it. I can do it now. 45, okay? So <laughs> verse 1, <laughs> verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down Uh, into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God, perhaps. The God will give a thought to us that we might not perish. First point, as we dive in, God exposes our heart. God exposes our heart. We're going to talk about at the end how the gospel applies to the beauty of God exposing our heart. When you look at the book of Jonah, it is a shocking book. Why? Because when you go to Obadiah, when you go to Isaiah, when you go to Jeremiah, when you go to Ezekiel, when you go to Lamentations, when you go to Daniel, when you go to Michael, when you go to Zephaniah, Zechariah, and Malachi, it says, and the word of the Lord came to the prophet. And then there's an expectation of the prophet to respond by going out and spitting what God gave to him. Right? Wrong. Here... This, this would have been the first time anyone from Israel read this. This would have blown them. I mean, this would have been like seeing six cents for them. I mean, it would have been like, they would have been like, yo, Jonah tripping. They said, they said stop there, um, priest, while you read. I mean, they'd have got up and paced the floor, you know, thrown shackcloth and ashes and been going back and forth. I mean, they wouldn't have understood this. And so, and so Jonah, Jonah, Jonah hears the word of the Lord and he falls Back from the word of the Lord by not going out and laying out the word of the Lord to the people who God wanted him to lay out his word to. 
So it's a shocking book, it's a comedy, yet it's something very serious and would leave the reader wondering what in the world is going on. And what's beautiful about this book is he zooms in on Jonah and he begins exposing the heart of Jonah as exposing the heart of all God's people of all time to zoom in on ourselves. And so in light of that, there are three things that God exposes in exposing his heart. <laughs> in exposing his heart, the first thing God exposes his heart towards is his heart towards his word. His heart towards his word. When, when Jonah receives the word of the Lord, it's interesting that the thing that the people would have seen when they read this is when they saw Nineveh, they would have tripped out. Because no prophet ever went off of, foreign, of their soil to go to that foreign soil to actually take an oracle to another people um, uh, post-Moses. And so what's crazy about um, this book is God is called Jonah to be a missionary prophet. And when he's calling him to be a missionary prophet, he calls him to go to Nineveh. Now, you got to understand where Jonah is, right? And you got to understand what his response to this is, which I think is beautiful for where we are, what we're going to have to work through as a church. Jonah heard the word Nineveh, and I believe Jonah, he, he basically zoned out. Because for Jonah to go minister to the Ninevites would have been like going to, for us, a drug strip of a person that shot your parents and sharing the gospel with them. Because the Ninevites, they were, they were crazy. See, if you see hieroglyphics of the Ninevites, and I mean, they were ballistically crazy. For instance, what they would do is they would take the body parts of their prisoners and make them decoration around the city. Like, when you come into your new city, they'll take the heads of the kings in the king's court and tie strings around them and kind of hang them up and just be like their Christmas ornaments. And so everybody knew that and they've experienced the heinousness of the Ninevites. I mean, when they tortured you, one guy would grab a rope and tie it to your arm and pull it one way, this arm one way, this arm one way, and then one guy be working on your eye, one guy be cutting you right here. I can't even tell you what other things be going on. You know, just imagination, leave it there. But they were doing terrible, heinous things to people to basically downgrade them. And so what happened to Jonah and everybody that's experienced the heinous crimes of the Ninevites they felt they had a right to something. They felt they had a right to have a hard heart. That is a very challenging place to be. Now let's talk about how this hard heart develops. It starts with anger towards the person who's offended you. And then it goes from anger towards that person to not forgiving them. And so it's this stew and this mixture and this rule and the crock pot of hatred, of anger and, 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 and unforgiveness. And you put that in the pot like you put in it roast and potatoes and corn and carrots and you let it simmer. And when those things simmer in the pot together, it creates a very great stew. And that stew is called bitterness. 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 
when he heard the word Nineveh, he checked out because his bitterness and he thought that he had the right to be bitter. And I'm afraid for us right now. Because in light of what God is allowing us to go through, I'm afraid that we're going to get bitter. I'm afraid that we're going to begin to stew in our anger in unrighteous anger. See, that's the mixture, not righteous anger, unrighteous anger and unforgiveness. And when you stew in that, it creates bitterness. When you look at Hebrews chapter 12, it says the root of bitterness sprouting up defiles many. The, 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 the word there for bitterness, it, 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 is, it points to the idea of a plant that is poisonous that drops its seed in the ground and is covered and begins to grow and it becomes a poisonous plant and it develops fruit on it and people will think it's palatable for the taste and they will take that fruit off the tree and they will eat that and they will be filled with poison, the poison of the plant, of the person who planted that. In other words, we have to be careful, Christians today, of bitterness because bitterness can corrode you. Bitterness can jack you up. Bitterness can tear you up and it can corrode every single area of your life to the point that when God wants to holler at you is you see him through the lens of the bitterness that you've developed. We must be very careful with our hearts at this time in relation to this bitterness because we may sit here and think that we have the right, in light of the current situation we're going through, to stew in our bitterness. But I pray that God gives us the grace to not stew. Some of us have gone through past issues that this current issue has re-arised in your life. And you thought you forgot about it, but it's the womb is open just as white as it was the day that it happened to you 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago, 1 year ago. And, and God is giving you another opportunity to excavate the ruins of your heart. And here in this passage, he's given Jonah... As representative of God's people, the same thing. I don't know what happened to us. I saw something in here in the last few weeks that I've never seen before. I saw, I saw collapses all through the congregation. I saw, I saw, I saw bitterness and anger and, and deep hurt. And I think the hurt was viable. I think the pain was viable. But I think what happened was is there was resurrections of stuff that you thought was long lost and forgotten. And so God loves us so much that he wants us to deal with every corridor of our heart. <clears throat> you know, we read Proverbs 4.23, and it says, Guard over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. And many times we think we're guarding our heart from others. But if you read the verse clearly, it's not saying what comes into your heart. It's actually talking about what comes out of your heart. In other words, guard over your heart with all diligence, for from it, the heart, flows issues of life. So what God wants us to do is he wants us to put a funnel over our hearts to begin to deal with and be careful of what we allow to come out of us. And, and, and Jonah is experiencing God dealing with him and, his, and God's people 
um, in light of this great challenge of them working through all that they need to work through as a people. So how do we deal with bitterness? How do we deal with this anguish of anger? And we're going to continue in this. Is you got to comb through every known issue that is unresolved in your life and apply the gospel to it. Every single issue. Whether it was a past hurt, whether it was a past pain that you didn't deal with. Biblically, you must allow that. You must write it down and begin laying out how the word of God, based on the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died for that sin, died for that issue, died to heal every wound and every sorrow and begin to deal with that thing. Because it's things in our life that we're not going to be able to move forward in and our lives aren't going to experience the beauty and extent of what God wants to get glory out of in our life until we deal with those roots. And we need to uproot each one of them and see God applying the beauty of his gospel to that issue. That means some of us in here need to call some folk from our past. You need to get on the phone. Don't Facebook, don't email. Don't text them. Thank you, baby. Face to face or by phone if they too far. And, and then I know what you're saying. What if they don't respond rightly? That's not your responsibility. The issue is, is us dealing with the issues that we have towards them. That's going to be the great issue of God dealing with us as well as dealing with them. So what does God do with Jonah next? He, he exposes his heart. He exposes his heart towards his word because Jonah rejected God's word because he was filled with bitterness towards the people that God wanted him to be obedient towards reaching out to, calling to repentance and turning around from their sin. But then God exposes our heart Towards missions. Verse 3. Verse 2 and 3 it says. In verse 2 it says. Arise go to Nineveh the great city. And call out against it. <coughs> For their evil or wickedness has come up before me. This reminds us. Of Genesis several times. Genesis 6. Genesis 8. Where God experiences seeing the evil. Uh, Genesis 11 rather. Seeing the evil of people come up towards him. And God in his holiness wants to deal with those issues. It says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of God. Now, you got to understand, when Jonah fled, okay, he went down to Joppa, right? When he went to Joppa, um, if he'd have got on, when he got on the ship, it would have been very short to go to Nineveh. It would have been extremely short. But to go to Tarshish, Tarshish is believed to be modern-day Spain. That was twice the length of distance away from Nineveh. So he, he went, Nineveh's this way, your man Jonah goes this way, but he wants to go twice the distance away. In other words, he did not want to call out against it, and we'll see why he didn't want to call out against it when we get into chapter 4. And so God wants wanted him to go out and engage these people with mission, but because of him being corroded with bitterness, he couldn't, he couldn't have a heart for mission because the bitterness was an obstacle for him to be missional. But not only does God deal with, exposes his heart towards his word, not only does he expose his heart towards mission, he also exposes his heart towards him in worship. 
This is powerful. It says, and he went down to Joppa, verse 3, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. David says in Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? This idiomatic expression from the presence of the Lord literally can be translated the, to, to he ran away from the face of God. Now, to understand the face of God, you got to understand what, what that meant for God's people. One of the things that God's people wanted to delight in is the fact that they had God's attention. That God was listening, and it, that's why you see the psalmist say, Lord, incline your ear towards me to hear my prayer. Because in other words, he said, I don't know what position I'm in before you right now, but God, what I need from you right now is a listening ear and, a t and an attentiveness. Some of the psalms will say, Lord, let your face shine upon us. Um, lift up the light of your face or your countenance towards us. That's the same idea here. In other words, Jonah is hanging out with God and God's people, possibly in the temple, hanging out, chilling, enjoying praise and worship, enjoying the presence of God. For, because for the Jew, for them, enjoying the presence of God meant being in the temple of God, around the people of God, where the Shekinah glory dwelt in the, inner, in the holiness of holy. So he was experiencing God's attentiveness. But because of his bitterness, he was willing to reject what most people would die to receive, and that's to know that God hears their prayers, to, to, to know that God's face is turned towards them. His bitterness was, was so clouding, so clouding his, his ability to have spiritual vision that he didn't care about the presence of God anymore. He didn't care about worship anymore. He didn't care about God's word anymore, and he didn't care about mission anymore. And it's beautiful. It says, and Jonah went down to Joppa. And then later it'll say, and he went down to the bottom of the ship. That's a narrative prose to talk about the further and further you begin to go away from God, you go down. And so it says that he went down to Joppa. I don't know where you are in your life right now. You may be experiencing down circumstances, thinking you on the down low. But the beauty of God is even while we're going away from him, he's still coming after us. And, 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 and this is same and, and true of, of Jonah, even one who, would, who is a prophet who has, this is not, no, this is not like no two cent prophet talking about he believes somebody going to get a Lexus. That's not, this is not the type of, see, I know today we don't think of, we think of prophets like, we don't think of prophets like back then. So we ain't talking about the prophet that say, oh, bless God, sister, I sense in my spirit. A husband is around the corner. Amen. That's not the prophet we're talking about. We're not the prophet that's talking about you're going to get $10,000 next day. Those are weak prophecies. We're talking about guys that have international prophecies, prophecies that have to do with the move of God over his entire people and tell God's people when they're wrong and when they're right, not just always have a nice word for them, but even willing to get, that's a real prophet. Jonah is not a jack leg prophet. The thing that makes this crazy is he was a real deal bona fide God-fearing prophet. <laughs> and so Jonah, we see experiences, the idea of himself Going down in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 it says, Therefore we must pay close attention to what we heard, lest we drift away from it. It's interesting that word there for drift away. It speaks of a boat 
It, it, the idea of it is this use of a boat sitting idle on water. And that boat not moving, no anchor down, just continues to drift. Just where the tide takes it. It's not intentional about any type of direction towards God. And that's the same thing that we're experiencing Jonah. He wants to, he's passionate and desirous to drift away from the living God. But not only did his bitterness cause him to move away from God's word, God's mission, and worship of God, the third thing that it caused him to move away from was prayer to God. In other words, it exposes our heart towards God in prayer. This is crazy. It says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Now, Jonah running. Jonah running. Y'all know I like Batman, right? You know, Batman, you know, in, like me and my son be watching it, and a cat be running. And Batman will open his tool belt, and he'll throw something at him, and it'll, be, it'll have rocks at the end of it. It'll be swiping like that, and then the cat get and he gets caught up and falls down. Well, God got a, got, got a bat belt. He does. He does. Because the Bible literally says that God hurled a storm. Now, it's very rare. It don't say God sent. God appointed a. Here it says God hurled a storm. In other words, it's using anthropomorphic human language to define a spiritual reality. Basically, when God saw Jonah running, he looked at Jesus and the Holy Ghost and said, he's tripping. And so God holds out his spiritual hand, and he says, and, and holds a storm. And he said, man, you know, in, ba baseball ain't, 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 ain't invented yet, but we about to see some baseball, y'all. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? And God stands up, and he goes like this. And he goes, Now listen. God threw a wind, but the wind was hard enough to create a storm. And the, and the wind hit the waters, and the, and the clouds came together, the sky got black, and that little ship, they were like, what in the world is going on? You know, I thought we'd use our little compass thing, and you know, we saw that the weather was going to be cool today. But they didn't count on God coming after one of his people. See, when God comes after you, family, God will create a special storm just for you. See, I know you were rebuking, rebuking Satan. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The devil is a liar. And God said, well, I'm the one who did it, so you want to rebuke me? And God hurled a storm. Some of you right now are experiencing the hurling of Yahweh himself throwing a storm intentionally at you to snuff you out to work through your bitterness. You blaming spiritual warfare? It's spiritual warfare, all right. This is a storm you can't pray away. This is a storm you can't quote, quote verses. I'm a more than a conqueror. Then in him, they, all things work together for No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Lord God Almighty, and they that mount up, you, 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 got all of the, you got all of the key verses. And ain't none of them joints working. <laughs> You're like, God, I'm, I'm quoting all the right stuff. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm the first and not the last. You, you, got, you got them all. You watch the TV some more. What is, okay. Um, God, I say right now that you, you got all of them. And, and they're busting their side on their thrones, laughing like a mug, like when they're going to get it.
And as challenging as the situation that we're going through is, I believe in some way there was a hurling for us. Hurling. God didn't sin, but God used this situation to show us where we are. The question is, and what's so funny is it says, and, and the storm, it created a storm. Now, God threw wind and it created a storm. That's like, I was just blown away by that. <laughs> but then it says, <clears throat> to the point where the ship began to break up. Now, when it says he paid the fare, some scholars believe, the Jewish scholars especially, it can be translated paid her fare because the boat is in the feminine, which means that the boat itself, it means that it's possibly... Jonah was trying so hard to run away from God's presence that he chartered a ship away from the presence of God. Everybody was getting on. It's like somebody catching a cab, and both of them standing out there, like, trying to catch a cab. They get in the cab, and two more people get in. He said, oh, don't worry about it. Wherever you're going, I got you. Because that's how far. That's, in other words, he paid the fare, possibly, of everybody on the ship to get the heck away from the presence of God. As if you can run away from the presence of God. Because, see, it shows his unsynchronized understanding of worship and the power of God and that as all that theology he had still wasn't enough to help him think through the fact that God is over everything and you can't run from him. You may run from a temple that's built with human hands, but you can't run from a planet that was created by divine hands. <laughs> and so what's funny, what's the ironic part of this? <clears throat> it says... It says, but Jonah in verse, middle part of verse 5, <coughs> let's go to verse 5, just the, the, the first part of it. It says, then the mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo. It's interesting. God hurled something at the ship, and they hurled it out the cargo. But little did they know that it wasn't the cargo that was going to kill them. The physical, the, the, you know, some, some, some crates and some wood and some steel, it was a person. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for him. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Now, the question is, I don't know if Jonah, as soon as he got on the ship, just like, I, I just got, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sleep. Or when he saw the storm come, right? Because it's really after the storm, it said, oh, I know what this is. You know, he probably, good day, it's going to be a beautiful day today when he got on the ship. Then the storm came, he's like, oh, he's, I'm going downstairs. So Jonah goes down into the cargo rain, get him some lamb's wool or something, make him a pillow, and go to sleep. Now, what's funny about the word for sleep here is not to use the word for sleep. It's the word used of Adam when God put him to sleep to create Eve. It's a divine sleep, but this one is not a divine sleep. Here, it's a depressed sleep. How many of y'all have been so hurt and bitter that you were depressed and all you could do was sleep? Jonah was so, he was like, God, I know I'm tripping, but I'm going to sleep. I know I'm bugging. He, in other words, he ran from God, he chartered a boat, and now he's trying to sleep like God can't get in his dream. Jonah, wake up. What you doing, Jonah? You know, like, God can't even come in your dreams. Like, he gave prophets dreams, duh. You know what I'm saying? So God can enter... Like, you running, huh? I, I mean, I wish the story would have had that in it, like God getting them in a dream, but it didn't do it for me. But, but we see, like, God, 
going after you, man. It's crazy, yo. This cat is depressed. Now he's experiencing the depression of running away from God. How many of you have been there? You know you need to face God, but your hurt and your bitterness was too thick to talk to him. Now, what's so funny is everybody, the unbelievers praying. You know what I'm saying? This was, this was so hectified. The unbelievers like, I don't know, God, uh, Dagon, Baal. Uh, they just calling out, just hollering. Ah, God, hey. Jonah sleep. He said, what? What did the other do with that? I will cry. They go down to the bottom of the ship, marches down. He said, now this is beautiful. Wake up, you sleeper. That's a euphemism for talking about not just his physical state, but his spiritual state. That he was sleeping. And he said, arise and pray. You know it's bad when unbelievers got to get you to pray. <laughs> That's crazy. Like somebody you've been praying for, like, I need you to pray. You know what I'm saying? You know when God, God will use everything around you to call you back to him. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. In other words, he said, I won't let you get away with running. God is doing everything. God hurling storms. Um, vexing his spirit, haunting him, allowing him to be depressed, and getting unbelievers to call him out and telling him to pray. Crazy. And so don't underestimate the impact that that'll have on your spiritual life, fam. And so that's why as God is allowing us to go through this crazy time, he's going to be glorified. He's going to be honored. He's going to be praised. He's going to be lifted high. The issue is, how will you respond to his word? How will you respond to his mission? How will you respond to him in worship? And how will you respond to him in prayer? Will you stop praying? Will you stop getting in his word? Will you stop worshiping? And will you stop sharing the faith? Are you embarrassed of God now because he allowed you to go through a little something, something? Are you so embarrassed that you don't want to share Jesus with anybody anymore? Look, this is what God is calling your man to right up in his grill. Craziness. But what's beautiful about this <laughs> is that everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Y'all know that, right? Everything points to the Lord Jesus. <laughs> you see Jonah's response to the wickedness of people that he thought he was better than. Now, Jesus is God and decided in eternity past that he was going to come save a people who he just saw what they did outside of themselves. But Jesus, being God, sees what people do in their hearts. He sees the comprehensiveness of sin and still doesn't let the comprehensiveness of sin cause him to fall into unrighteous anger and bitter ignorance and not to be obedient to the Father's will. But not only that, <coughs> in here, God exposes our heart and even exposes his heart. His heart. You'll see throughout the book, and we're going to talk about different attributes of God that are seen in their implied state in this book as we go through the series. But you're going to see God exposing his heart. <laughs> and the ultimate way that God exposed his heart was through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has seen the Father at any time except for the only begotten God of the Father who, is, uh, who, who explained him. That word explained means to exegete. In other words, Jesus came to expose God's heart. He, in, in the 
book of Jonah, he exposes our heart and his own, but no one exposes his heart like Jesus ultimately exposes his heart. If God can expose his heart to us through his son, you expose your heart to him. You face your God with every hard truth that you deal with. With every hard time, you go before your God. You don't, have, don't you let a moment of silence go between you talking to your God. Jesus has made it available for us. No matter how hellacious our circumstances are, no matter how frustrating, no matter what past we've had, no matter what frustrations we have, Jesus Christ has opened up the, uh, the door for us to go through the red carpet of his blood into the Father's presence to lay our hearts bare. But what's beautiful about Jesus is he doesn't leave us with our old, crusty, trifling, raggedy, booger-filled hearts, but he gives us a brand new heart so that you can feel again. Don't cake your heart over now. He gave you a new heart so you can feel again. Don't get hard because you're going through a little bit of pain. Feel that pain and take it to your God. Don't you ignore your king these days. These are the times when talking to God counts. Not when the sun is shining and your bank account is full. This is the time to talk to Jesus. This is the time to take advantage of access. Don't run away like Jonah from access to God. Run towards access to God. Through the person of Jesus. Take advantage of the throne of grace. With all of your frustrations, with all of your hurt, with all of your tears, with all of your disappointments, with all of your past, with every person in your past, whether you were molested, whether you were raped, whether you were hurt, whether, I don't, whether it was a divorce, I don't care what is happening. Go before the throne of grace. What's beautiful is that he, he's standing there like this. He said, you think he, and some of you said, well, I can't go now because of the way I've rejected him and the way I don't feel his presence now. I, I, I can't afford to go before him now. That's, that's, that's not the one who's in the new covenant. One who's in new covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he has an open door policy. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to go through a personal assistant. You just go before him through Jesus Christ. Go before him today. Go before him today. Pray to him today. Face every crazy issue you're going through today. Not only that, the Lord Jesus develops a plan of salvation with the Godhead. When commanded to go, Jesus went. Lived among people who he had the right to be bitter towards. I can't imagine Jesus' sin sensitivity with being sinless. And coming among people who he's watched for millennia, centuries, whatever the time was, sin and fall away from, he coming in his pre-incarnate state, get, trying to get with cats, cats falling back, lying, seeing the disappointment. If anyone has the right to be bitter and to shut somebody out, it's God. But he's so full of mercy, so full of loving kindness and slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness that he says, I don't care what you did and I don't care what they did to you, come. <laughs> I don't care where you are, come. I know you're disappointed with me. Let's talk through it. Let's work through it. Come. 
I, I know the church has disappointed you over and over and over and uh, but come. I know the I know this is come. I know that your mama come. I know that your daddy come. I know that your uncles come. I know that your cousin come. Come. There is not a place like it. You will struggle. You will you need to learn to wrestle with God in prayer. You need to learn to wrestle with him in worship. Say God, I don't feel like it, but I know that I must wrestle with you if we're going to have a relationship. There is no relationship that's filled with with potpourri and incense. Everything's peachy. That's not a relationship with God. It's going to be some circumstances frustrating, but the part that makes you a grown it's time to be a grown-up Christian now. It's time to grow up. Time for us to grow up. You can sit on the stoop all day and weep and cry, but I, and, and I understand our pain, but now we got to deal with it. Face it. Because the longer you stew, the longer the crock pot of your heart simmers with your anger and your unforgiveness and your resentment and your frustration and your hatred, it's going to stew up a more bitter stew of hatred and resentment and block you from God's word, God's mission, God's worship, and prayer to him. And so I pray that we'll pass this test. I pray that during this season, we will look at ourselves, not at anybody else. I say, ah, see God, see, that's what I'm talking about. See, that's what, see, they always, <coughs> it's easy to point at somebody else. See how your people be doing? See, they be talking all that smack, but you know what I'm saying? See, ha, ah. nah. Face your heart. What is God saying to you? How is God turning you inward? Is there any darkness that you and I are covering up? that we need to bring to the top and allow him to deal with? It's easy when someone else is exposed to deal with their sin. But God is calling us to deal with our issues. And he loves us so much that he won't let us get away with murder. He's going to bring the beat down to us all. But the question is, you know, when I used to get a spanking, <coughs> I, I, and I, I used to think up some crazy stuff from my pops, like, I would go in the bathroom. I mean, he's, I mean, like, see, y'all understand. See, I didn't get beat like most of y'all got beat. I got post-slavery whoopings. So, so, barber belts, stinching cords, platted. You, I had to go outside and plat switches. Y'all don't know nothing about that. You got to plat them and make you go get them. And don't go get the little, the little one that, that, that sound like a fly going past. You got to get one that go. <laughs> you got to get one of them joints. You know, some of y'all ain't had to pull nothing off when you got a spanking. You know, you just stood there and just pants up. Take it off. Get out of all of it. You stripping me. Carrying on and get lit up. You know, and, and, I, and, and I would go in the bathroom and tear. Like, I'm just, I would have, I, I thought I was going to be a serial killer at one point in my life. Because I said, my father beat me like that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> What you say, boy? Nothing. 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 I mean, they would kill me. I'd grab the sink and be asking God to take his life so I can watch him. And I, I mean, I was, it was crazy. <coughs> and I would get beat by the same stuff. I wasn't smart. I was the one, everybody ran out the alley. They did their dirt, ran out the alley. I'm in the alley. 
My father, see, my father was World War II, Korean War vet, so he came through the alley in the rain with a belt while I'm hiding in a garage in the top of the roof bar. Eric! They're like, he up there, Mr. Mason. Crack my friend's skull right now. But, but one of the things that I've learned to do as I've grown older is appreciate every spanking. I've learned to appreciate every whooping. I mean, they were devastating to me. Devastating. I mean, I, I'm getting flashbacks now like post-traumatic stress syndrome. You know what I'm saying? But, but you know what? All of us, this is for all of us. As God deals with us, let's, let's, let's let him deal with our hearts. And let's, let's sit down with him and talk with him. One of the things I try to do with Manny is I try to even, I, I, didn't, I don't beat him like my dad beat me because I'd probably go to jail for what my dad did to me. But one of the things I love to do is sit down with him and chop it up with him about it and hug him and let him know I still love him. And that this doesn't determine our relationship with him. And so God, as he deals with us and develops us and challenges us with hurling storms at our life, I pray that we can still commune with our God while we yet go through it and experience the beauty of him causing us to look at ourselves so that we can look at him. Father, we honor you that <clears throat> you are the God of all grace who calls us to be introspective. And we know that we need to look at ourselves, but looking at ourselves is hard. That's why I say as the word of God based on James chapter 1 is supposed to be a mirror to show us what we ought to look like, show us what we don't look like. And so, God, as you walk us through this time of looking in ourselves and not looking at others, not railing at others, but saying, God, what are you saying to me? What do I, how do I need to respond to the gospel? How do I need to apply the gospel? Maybe you're here today and you don't know <coughs> the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never trusted him. As Savior, if you need to repent of your sin, that means turn away and then turn towards God. Trust him as Savior. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and was raised on the third day. And if you repent of your sin and place your belief in him and him alone, believing that you can't get God's salvation, that means eternal life with him in the new heavens and the new earth. You can't get it. On your own, he has to do it for you. And that comes through repenting of your sin and turning towards him. If that's you that want to believe in Christ and Christ alone, then I want you to fill out a card on the back table in the lobby right here and just slide it in one of the boxes, in the prayer box, either box, and we want to connect with you. We want to call you. So put your real information on there. Lay it out, email, telephone number, either one, so we can connect with you. Lord, guide us through this time. We trust you with all of our heart, even when we don't feel like it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>